The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the football betting weekend review. I'm stuck in with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. We were going to cancel this pod. If Rutgers was going to get that lateral all the way back and cover that 11, I was probably going to take the day off. I was just going to use my vacation. That was the craziest lateral thing I've ever seen. As someone who just who didn't have any money on the game, I saw the play, and I was watching it on a side TV, and then I saw a replay of it. But, like, I didn't have money on it, so I wasn't that focused on it. And I didn't see the forward lateral. And then someone pointed out to me where it was, and I was like, wow. Because I thought it became maybe the worst beat of the last 10 years mm-hmm. to then a bad beat for Rutgers backers because it was a bad lateral, but I, I did see the lateral. But wow. Um, we will get to the college recap. Bo Nick season in full effect. We're going to hear from him. Bo Nick season in full effect. We'll first start off with the NFL recap. And we have a lot to get to in college. We have to get to the MAC. It's all happening. Uh, and we'll touch on the Monday night game. So let's get it started right now with the NFL Week 8 recap. Look, I lost a lot of money on the Ravens game. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because people are like, oh, you're biased, you're biased, blah, blah. Everyone's going to hear Can you about do it. this unbiased? And uh, I got screwed too. I had the Ravens too. Can you do this? I mean, everyone's going to hear about it all week. The Ra- I mean, the Ravens dominated the game. They had, they had yeah. literally 460 yards to the Steelers, 220. You know, even that, I mean, I'm going to have to grade the game later out. They're going to have like a, a 90% win probability. The, average, the Ravens averaged one and a half yards per play more. And we, we're not even factoring penalties. The Ravens had 100, 100 more penalty yards, most of them questionable. At the end of the game, the refs just let – like, they just let Cam Hayward sit, like, down injured for 10 seconds and then blow the whistle when the Ravens snapped it. It's either an offside or you got to put time back on the clock. Uh, the Ravens probably wouldn't have scored, but you, you called every little thing. But you, you have to put a lot of that loss on Lamar Jackson. He made some terrible throws. All, the Ravens are up 17-7. Just punt the ball. You literally, just punt the ball, kneel it, and punt it. And the Ravens win that game. The, the Steelers' offense is who we thought they were. Uh, it's a horrible offense. All the early down success rates, it, they told that story. And they were horrendous today. I don't think the Steelers had one drive, one successful drive the entire game, which is pretty shocking. Um, look, I'm going to upgrade the Ravens for that game. I'm going to downgrade the Steelers for that game, blah, blah, blah. Steelers in the driver's seat now for not only the AFC North, but – the number one seed, the highly coveted number one seed in the AFC, there's only one bye this year. They will be most likely competing with the Chiefs, who do cover against the Jets. They win 35-9. I didn't see much of this game, so I had no money on it, but must have been just an absolute torture chamber, no matter which side you were on in this game. Um, but the Chiefs do come through, and they cover the closing line of 19.5, uh, winning 35-9. Thoughts here? 
Yeah, the under was pretty easy. I mean, the Jets, I had the under today. That was no sweat. Uh, Jets went two for 12 from third down. Do Jets fans watch the Jets anymore? A question I contemplate. I don't know. Maybe they want to, they're rooting for them to lose for a draft pick. The other team that the Steelers were competing with for that number one seed in the AFC was the Tennessee Titans, who dropped a very disappointing game at Cincinnati. Heavy wins. Wins were the, the theme of the day. They lose 31-20 to a Bengals team that didn't have Joe Mixon, had a decimated offensive line, and uh, Joe Burrow, as they know him in Cincinnati, as Joey covers, uh, covers again. And the Bengals went out right 31-20. Burrow, no interceptions. Tannehill, really underwhelming numbers. Henry only carried the ball 18 times against that Cincinnati run defense. I don't know, but Tennessee's slowly coming back down to earth. Uh, elsewhere in the AFC, the Colts. Colts, impressive victory. 41-21 at the Lions. Ruined a tease that I had with the Lions. Uh, Galladay goes out with a, for the Lions. Offense is completely different without Kenny Galladay. You can look at any number you want with the Lions, with and without Galladay. It's night and day. Um, Galladay finished with uh, zero catches for zero yards. Uh, and the Colts roll. Credit to Rivers. Rivers was impressive. Made a lot of great throws. And the Colts' defense continues to grade out well. They were coming off a bye. Well-coached team. Credit to the Colts for that win. Uh, elsewhere in the AFC, Vegas wins 16-6 to in Cleveland. This is a game that had, what, 30, 35-mile-an-hour wins. Windy conditions – 15 miles an hour or more on average. The under is about 55% against the close. And as you can see this weekend, the windy condition games, the total comes way down. Still 55%. The highest windy condition game we've seen in the last 20 years, Browns-Rams, 2011. Two awful teams. It was Colt McCoy versus Sam Bradford, two guys who can't throw it down the field. And that game ended 13-12. The over-under was 35. Can you imagine getting a thir- an over-under of 35 in today's NFL? That game had more points than this game. Uh, the Raiders win 16-6. to The Browns slowly crashing back down to earth. They obviously miss Odell Beckham. We'll close up the AFC with three other games. Denver with just an incredible, incredible comeback win against the Chargers. When you get lucky... You have to admit it. The Broncos come back and win 31-30 on the final play of the game. The best part about this game was Twitter all over Drew Locke, all over him. And he comes back with 21 unanswered to win on the final play of the game to beat the Chargers 31-30. You can't – the Chargers and the Falcons are one of the same. The amount of ridiculous losses these teams take is – Absolutely insane. But the Broncos end up winning. The hard luck Chargers life continues. The Bills win 24-21 over the Patriots. The Bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now. The Bills are making it happen now. If you played the Patriots, you still won and you covered if you were betting on bitter Bill. But there's, there's something wrong with this Patriots team. I mean, Cam Newton, 15 to 25, 174 yards. Yes, it was windy conditions. Yes, he has no weapons left. But I know Harris ran for over 100 yards. But this just isn't the same Patriots team that we're used to seeing. I said it on our NFL podcast. 
2010, 2011. Everyone just says Bill Belichick solves all the problems. It's just Bill Belichick. There's only so much you can do with the talent you have, and after you lose a lot and you're rebuilding a defense. 2010, 2011, they had a bottom three defense both years, yet they went 14-2 and and 13-3. and Why? They had the number one rated offense by far, by any metric. Do they have that this year? No. Do they have a top 10 offense? No. Do they have a top 15 offense? No. Top 20 offense? No. And their defenses are playing anywhere close to what we're used to. So they maybe have a bottom 10 offense and a bottom 10 defense in the NFL. It's why you're seeing these results that you're not used to seeing from the Patriots. The Bills hold on also. Bill Belichick, onside kick after they tied it 14-14. Very questionable decision. He won't get as much shit as he should because he's Bill Belichick, which it's fair. But if he got the, if he got the onside, Twitter goes nuts. If Gaze does that and they don't get it, Twitter is on fire still. Bills win 24-21 in the driver's seat in that division. Although, don't forget about the Miami Dolphins, who win 28-17 in Tua's debut. But let's be fair. I took the Dolphins live plus 7F. Only, only money I had on this game. If I'm going to mention the Ravens' unlucky loss, can we talk about this game? Can we have a moment of silence for Rams betters? The Rams aren't elite. If you had them elite, just you know, find a new hobby. But the Rams are good. The Rams had 471 yards. The Dolphins had 145 total yards. Somehow the Dolphins and the Steelers scored 28 points with 200 yards and 145 yards. Shocking. Goff was awful. The kryptonite. Who is the kryptonite to Jared Goff and Sean McVay? It's Brian Flores. We saw it in the Super Bowl. We saw it again today. Credit to the Dolphins. Defensive game plan, brilliant once again. The Miami Dolphins are a real AFC playoff contender. We saw on Thursday night. Falcons win 25-17 over the Panthers. The Seattle Seahawks win 37-27. They actually won a game by double digits. They win 37-27 over San Fran, who loses multiple players, their starting quarterback. A lot of people limped off for San Fran. Had a two-point conversion they could have got. I think I'm 0 for 650 over the last 652-point conversion attempts. Penn State, just get one two-point conversion. We'll probably get to that game. But Seattle wins 37-27. San Fran will try to rebound on Thursday night. We got a good Thursday night game because they'll play Green Bay. Green Bay with enormous revenge if they're losing in the regular season in embarrassing fashion and then losing the NFC Championship game against the Niners. But Green Bay is going to also have to rebound because they lost at home to the Minnesota Vikings, also coming off of a bye, 28-22. Do you want to know who went nuts today? Let Dalvin Cook cook. The Vikings scored four touchdowns on their first four possessions. Dalvin Cook finished with 30 carries for 163 yards and three touchdowns, three catches, two catches for 63 yards and a touchdown. He owns the Packers. The question going into Thursday night is not only about San Fran's health, but how will Green Bay stop San Fran's running game? It's what, Killed them last year. They didn't really address it in the offseason. We'll have more on that in the NFL pod. But it has to be a question that Packers fans are thinking about tonight. Vikings with an upset over the Packers, who everyone thought was free money, probably crushed a lot of teasers and a lot of money line parlays out there. By the way, Cooper Cup had 21 targets today in the slot for the Rams. Oof. And the last game I'll touch on in the NFL, the New Orleans Saints win 26-23 over the Bears. Ruined my under. I'm very salty about it. There's a couple very questionable decisions in this game. Matt Nagy calling a timeout. People are vehemently arguing with me about this. Matt Nagy calling a timeout 
with 40 seconds to go when the Saints were third and long at the 40-yard line. And then the Saints ended up, you know, the, the argument is, hey, the Bears are going to get the ball back. You, you think Nick Foles is going 80 yards in 20 seconds with one timeout? You were up 10. The Saints end up scoring a touchdown, and what ends up happening is, you know, they win the game. Santos hits a 51-yard at a force overtime, uh, but a lot of questionable calls, coaching decisions. The Saints pull it out. But, hey, if you're a Bears backer, you're covered, and that's all that matters. So that's your NFL recap for week eight. Before we get into the voicemails in college football, let's take a quick moment to hear from our sponsor and official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, our friends at BetMGM. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, before we get to Monday Night Football, the Mac and College Football Thursday night, we have to hear from our friends on the voicemail. And when the Ravens were losing and costing me a lot of money, I went to the voicemails and I listened to them because I really, really wanted to hear from our Bo Nick season friend. And while UTEP had their game canceled, so we couldn't hear from our friend down in El Paso, we did hear from Bo Nick season. So let's let you guys carry the college football recap. Away we go. Colin, you nervous? <laughs> I know what's coming. I'm ready. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of the Action Network Podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Let's check this week's messages. Oh, hey, Stark and, and Colin. It's, it's Martin, Chicago, Go Box. Didn't want to call you guys on a Friday. Got the Tulsa under. Okay, great. And, and then you have the refs come in. The referees are doing everything they can to pay their college kid 529 funds to buy betting and cheating the f- it over. Let me tell you something. Tonight's bath isn't going to be fun. This is not what I wanted going into a big game Saturday. All right, yeah, the, the overturn or the, the call stands on the catch, like, it was on the ground. But Tulsa wins – it was a miracle win. Is, is it start? Is, you always say, well, we don't, we don't back ECU until November. November. Yeah, Holt Naylor's is Mr. November. Uh, he's, you know, October uh, leads into Mr. November, which is Holt Naylor's. But, uh, you know, that's just for the side. As far as this over goes, like, I'm done taking unders. Like, if you hit an under, really, you should go buy a Powerball or a Mega Ball. Because in this game, ECU and Tulsa, 20 points in the first half. In the first half. I know Zaven Collins went down with a toe injury. He did end up coming back later, Huge. although I don't think he was as effective. But 20 points in the first half in this game, and then 44 in the second half, 24 points alone in the fourth. And then the AAC comes out 
with this BS statement. And trust me, as a Razorback fan who gets statements from the SEC after the refs oh, screw I didn't even up, see this. What did they say? I'm, 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 after reviewing the video of the play, the conference has determined that the judgment of the replay official was incorrect. The ball carrier did not regain possession of the ball, and the ruling yeah. on the field awarded the ball to East Carolina should have been reversed. End of statement. Not you get your money back. Not as in we're going to change the score of the game. Just that's it. We acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insane. Like, we have – a system to catch these. It's like Auburn Ole Miss. There's an actual system where you can go watch it and then you can see what happened and then make the correct call. Like, how do you not see that? How do you not see the Auburn Ole Miss hit the fingers and then you need to correct it? It's crazy. By the way, yeah, I agree. All the unders, the dirty unders, the, the Saints today, all the college unders, it was lovely, absolutely lovely to lose Northwestern Iowa over 42 and a half uh, that needed 10 points in the second half. It was great. Good times. All right, moving on. Stocky, you mother I called Maryland money line. Made me goddamn money. And then I played your goddamn Hawaii bet. I put so much goddamn money on it. Well, Wyoming's whooping their mother Oh, so, oh my God. First off, what'd you do to what'd you do with Maryland game? I, I took Maryland plus twenty. I had some money line on it. Did you what, what did you do to get this guy to call in? Towel time. I don't know. I bet Hawaii. Uh, yeah, the unfortunate <laughs> thing with Hawaii is their the go go offense. They run it primarily in the red zone. They got the red zone for two plays. They scored a touchdown. That was it. Cordero looked awful. Just a lot of missed throws. And so you, sometimes you just get, you get these weird games in Laramie. A lot of drops. But the worst part that happened in that game. And look, they they dropped the. He, he threw a ball that fell out of his hands in, in the, on the first drive. But one of the worst things that happened in the game, and I felt terrible for the Hawaii defense. I probably should have played Hawaii second half. I overthought it. But the, Hawaii was so inefficient on offense that they were on the field. Their defense was on the field the entire first half and then all through the third quarter. So eventually Wyoming, who just literally just pounds it down your throat. And look, yeah, Hawaii dropped a bunch of picks. Levi Williams looked awful. But Hawaii just got gas. You're playing in 7,500 feet of elevation, and then their, their run defense couldn't hold up anymore. I think that's something really that we should consider. Like, I hate to put it all on this, but this is a Hawaii team that played in the mainland in the States. They didn't go home. They went to Denver. The point of going to Denver was to get practices in at altitude. If you Google search, you know, Denver, I think that's 4,000 feet. Well, you know, it's like, like half the level of what they were playing at in Laramie. But they went to do that, and then they didn't get to work out because a snowstorm came through Denver. So, you know, they end up uh, how many other days on the road, away from campus, away from their beds, and they end up in Laramie, and they looked exhausted, absolutely gassed and exhausted from the start. Yeah, but, I mean, it also just comes down to basic execution, which they didn't have, because if you complete a few more of those passes, if you don't have, you know, Cordero, just some horrendous throws. But if you just – you also had bad drops by his receivers. If you just make a, a few more of those plays – you extend drives by a few more minutes. That saves your defense. I mean, it's just well, – you can't the, even describe it. Like, you get five or six more minutes of game time going into the second half that you didn't have, and you're in 7,000 feet of elevation. It catches up, and it did. I think what's also important, too, is when you're handicapping Wyoming, you know, it was a backup quarterback. It wasn't Sean Chambers, and the backup quarterback threw, like, what, 50% completion rate? I mean, he, it wasn't anything special. But he had a couple of drop picks, too. 
Yeah, if you're going to handicap Wyoming, make sure you have a solid offensive line if you're going to back a team that's going up against them. Because so, that defensive line can take over and, and did against Chad Cordero all night. Gave him problems. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still not sure what they do with Cordero. Very odd quarterback to figure out. But I'm very low. I'm, Wyoming is a fade team still going. He's going to get home and the Nakoa boosters down for the Rainbow Warriors. He'll be back on. He'll be winning games for us once the booster club gets a hold of him and tells him exactly what he needs to do. All right, moving on. Stacky, you know, Cliff, who wants to, hey, some f-ing kid comes up to my door trick-or-treating tonight. He's got white skinny jeans on with an Ed Reed jersey, and he's got a George Washington diploma with the wire box set. And he hands me $1,000. Says he f-ing bet Hawaii last name's f-ing you. He's a f-ing loser. Loser picks. There are no rainbows in Wyoming, okay? Love you. College. Kickers, row, row, row the boat. All PJ flex. <laughs> you go Terps. Yeah. By the way, Fleck. Uh, a couple of years ago, he fired his defense coordinator after four games. Uh, I think that might be the yeah. move now. And I tweeted out, "You have a backup kicker who just had hurt it. Like, go for two. Maryland wasn't stopping you. No one was stopping any. I think Maryland was averaging eleven. They averaged about eleven yards per play. Something insane. Maryland wasn't stopping Minnesota. You have a backup kicker." who Flex said all week he doesn't trust, he just had a hernia surgery. He's worried yeah. about his nuts dropping, like not kicking his field goal. You go for two there. I know you're a 20-point favorite, and you're supposed to keep the game going, but I thought he should have went for two then. How in the world is he not going for two in that spot right there? You know yeah. even if you make it, you're going to go to overtime, and you're going to have to kick. Just go for it. Get it out of the way right there. But, man, we'll get to it. But LSU, Minnesota, I'm not sure how you're playing unders with these two defenses for the rest of the season. One of the best things that happened – was the Maryland game happened on a Friday night, and I knew, okay, Michigan, probably not as good as they looked after I saw what I saw from the Maryland. Yeah. So I downgraded Michigan, which made me play Michigan State, and Jim, oh, Bodog Jim. Don't gamble. Don't associate with gamblers. Avoid it like the, the plague. Let's check in with Bodog Jim. What a bad loss for Michigan. Michigan football, back for six days. Never forget. Moving on. <laughs> so, y'all, Chris from Arlington. I uh, had called last week touting my hatred of James Franklin, and all he did this week was reinforce it by going for two f-ing two-point conversions for absolutely no reason. Big Jim's got to go for it all, and he is a f- moron i'm so happy that that team was forced into a conference schedule only and didn't get to beat up on the georgia states of the world so he could ice the kicker up 56 to nothing and i hope Penn State loses every single game on their schedule this year Penn State was brutal i mean i had plus 12 plus 12 and a half and then you know throw in the uh niners tees i just get one of three two-point conversions split the games but no I, with James Franklin's history of, of clock management, I don't know how he hasn't ascended to the Bengals' job or the Browns' job. I mean, he's really on that path to be an NFL coach. He has no clue what to do with the clock or the two-point conversions or anything because it's almost like he asked, what was the spread most of the week? Did it ever flicker at 13-and-a-half? How many people out there got 13-and-a-half? I think I'm going to go just go for two right now. It was just unbelievable. I mean, we, we were calling it on Twitter about exactly what was going to happen there. When yeah, you deep dive so into great. this – yeah, it was so predictable what was going to happen. When, when you deep dive into the box score, the Penn State defense, they actually kind of did their part 
to do what you can do against Ohio State's offense. They took him for fifth gear, and they put him into fourth gear. Uh, Ohio State only gained 73% of available yards. That is a ridiculous number. But consider that Alabama is at 60% most weeks, 90% that we against Ole Miss. Uh, Ohio State had eight trips past the 40-yard line, and they only averaged 3.8 points per trip. So P- Penn State did their job to slow it down a little bit. Uh, I was talking last week about how I wanted to take Penn State, get the best number on Penn State, because I'm not really sure – this Ohio State front seven, if they're, you know, they lost Chase Young, they lost Akuda, where's the havoc going to come from? Uh, they turn out to have five sacks, seven tackles for loss, an interception. Uh, I think they responded very well to some of the coaching they had. Uh, but, hey, you know what? I, you were uh, all talking about Herb Street last night on Twitter. It's, uh, I mean, you put up a, a graphic that says 99% win rate in the rest of your games. We get it. Ohio State's going to be there to them. They're going to have a sleepy weekend sometime. Don't know when. They just need to avoid injury. They'll be in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Herb Street sitting there talking about this team has too much character not to lose the rest of the – yeah, but they're 30-point favorites the rest of the year. Give me a break. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the line was probably right. It just was unfortunate that Penn, they, Penn State went 0 for 2 on two-point conversions the last few minutes, right. and they didn't cover by a point. Um, if you got it early. Ducky, it's your anti-Arkansas State boy. <laughs> you and Arkansas State. Should have listened to Colin Wilson. Uh, yeah, good call on – uh, Troy, don't listen. I bet Arkansas State every week. It's a podcast promise. It was just in my round robin. Under, I don't break promises. I drive to Murfreesboro. I bet Arkansas State. You don't. You guys know this. You can ride with me doing it or not. This is. An, just, I don't cap Arkansas State. This is a podcast promise that I had three weeks. I have to say, if you have a really bad defense and you're a one-trick pony on offense, it makes it a pretty easy handicap, and that's what Arkansas State is. You know who's not a one-dimensional tool? They're not in the voicemail, so we might as well bring it up. We are a pro Coastal Carolina make the make the college football playoff podcast from here on out. That team is what they Georgia State is actually a decent team and actually a decent defense. What they they addressed at 105 total yards. That was 51 nothing. It's three point dogs. The most shock, <laughs> one of the most shocking boxers I've ever seen. 51 nothing. You lose addressed 51 them. nothing at home as a three point underdog, and you have 100 total yards. Uh, uh, Circa that, opened them like, as a favorite. Circa opened them as a favorite. Is minus that's one. That's like. That's like Clemson versus – that's like Alabama versus Arkansas. I'm kidding. That's like uh, Alabama versus – LSU. <laughs> LSU. I'll be on Arkansas State again. It's a podcast promise. Moving on. Colin, you're a fraud just like Stucky. Wouldn't take Brocktober. You wouldn't take your hogs. Ooh, pig suey. You know, just when I thought I was getting a break, I said – I tweeted, the best bet – I made all weekend was not betting Iowa State. Yeah. As I hit tweet, they scored like two touchdowns in the final two minutes. That's how bad Kansas is and covered. And the best bet that you – the best bet that you could ever win is the, the loser that you didn't bet. And I thought I had that. Nope. Iowa State, somehow their backups covers. Brocktober on October 31st. That is my bet regret. Although it was like the wrong side. I don't know. The wind kept me off. But yeah, you're right, guy. I regret it. It sucks. I, this is four weeks in a row now that uh, uh, Kansas has had uh, absolute legit reverse line movement. Uh, if, you're not re- if you're not familiar with what reverse line movement is, it's where money comes all in on one side, but the line moves the other way. It anticipates that bigger money is keeping a line on one side. Let's just say something is making – the line with Kansas fishy every week. Like it, it represents that there is money on Kansas because it moves their way every week and it's been wrong every single week. I mean, this Kansas, 
I mean, it's hilarious. I don't know who you are. I'm gonna I'm gonna make some texts out, put some put some texts out to some friends. I want to find out who this conglomerate is that's going in and whacking on Kansas every single week. Because you have got to be bankrupt by now. Yeah, I mean, but if I had Kansas, I would that would be livid by the way that they didn't cover. Um, yeah, just of course I didn't bet Iowa State because it was like a crazy cover. All right, moving on. Rocky Lombardi season in full effect. Thanks, bye. Sing us a song, the piano man. Sing us a song tonight. I only paid you to cover, but you end up winning outright. Hey guys, Nash from Colorado here. We all know Texas is a simple team, people. Can't wait to say it's Herman's favorite ass next week. Uh, Texas, by the way, you want to talk about a lucky win? I was crazy. <laughs> At a at a two percent win probability, uh, post game win probability, yeah. lucky ass win. But if Texas on a two point conversion, the two point conversion I didn't want, another two point conversion that went against me, I didn't want it, and they got it. If they went to overtime, and I had them as a dog over a field goal on the two week anniversary of going zero and forty seven on Texas plus seven and plus seven half live, I I would have, and, and they lost. I would have. I don't know what would happen. I would not be here right now. I would tell you that. I you would add the taking the week off too, huh? I, I would add Rutgers Ooh. taking the week off. And uh, Texas wins, and the Big 12 has officially cannibalized itself. Um, yeah. Texas wins in overtime over Oklahoma State. It was a great result. Oh, you know, if, if you have like BYU or Coastal Carolina, whatever crazy futures you had, if Boston College hung on against Clemson and then Texas mm-hmm. beat Oklahoma State, we were almost full team cast for the weekend. Wow, what were your thoughts there? Well, I, you know, looking at the – I think you know, the caller mentioned something about West Virginia, you know, waiting to hammer them against Texas here. I mean, historically, Herman, the week after an underdog, a big victory like this on the road, he kind of he kind of shits the bed here. So, you know, Texas, I have it power rated. Texas should be favored by six. As I'm sitting here on Sunday night, I believe uh, BetMGM has it at seven or seven and a half. So, uh, it's def- the number is where it should be. I know it's a little shocking to see that, considering what West Virginia just did to Kansas State. Uh, but consider what Herman has done after a big, uh, you know, a- after a big victory. Usually, there's a loss that's associated with that. You know, West Virginia's defense should have no problem handling handling Sam Ellinger. But you know, Texas defense is legit. They're keeping people from scoring down in uh, down in the red zone and, and down in uh, uh, finishing drives range past the forty. So, uh, should be interesting. I can't wait to talk about it uh, later this week. Yep. Uh, before we move on, look, I gave the people what they wanted last week. I got to do it again. Country roads. That bet was easy. Mr. G looked that, good, by the way. Yeah, that defense looks really good. Uh, Gary Stills, I tweeted this. Gary Stills, ex-West Virginia linebacker, ex-Pro Bowl linebacker, in the NFL played for the Ravens. Gets to watch both of his sons together on the defensive line at his alma mater dominate. That must be so cool. Stucky, you f- how are you not riding Brocktober off into the sunset? Stuck, Colin, Kentucky fan, but I'm the league. We, since we don't have a quarterback, I'm going to go ahead and change my allegiance to Coastal. How about Coastal? Three and a half point favorites, 51 nothing. I heard somebody on the voicemail last week call them the Shants. I'm from East Tennessee. I call them the Shants, whatever the hell they are. Roll, MF, and Shants. 51 nothing, fighting chickens, fighting roosters, whatever the hell they are. Roll, chance. 
Ben from Lexington here. Halloween day, Kentucky covered. Dressing up tonight like Eddie Grand, putting my clown nose on. Watching this Houston UCF game, and Houston's kind of looking like Kentucky's offense. Them that pick. The Kentucky game that was probably my best call of the weekend. A great call by you too, because I basically said this game's ending seventeen six. And after all the underbeats I had, and then the Iowa overbeat, watching a game where the teams just ran dives for the entire first half was a sexual experience. It was <laughs> awesome to watch. I mean, the, over 30. If I had under 30, it would have never been in doubt. Um, but Kentucky covers. But just yeah. that game was the definition of a pure under. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad the Kentucky 17 held on for everybody, especially I, I, I had a, a, did my Twitch But count show, dropping so. a potential pick six had to get scary late. Uh, yeah, and, and, and it, was, it was a little bit of a sweat there at the end. I think the thing that gets me the most, and I'm going to do a deep dive on this, and I'll, I'll get into uh, what I'm actually seeing from a power success and a stuff rate perspective. Uh, every time Joey Gatewood or one of the running backs got the handoff, the line of scrimmage moved at least three yards. Like there was contact, and Georgia would get pushed. Uh, I don't remember the line ever going against Kentucky. It seemed like every time Joey Gatewood took it, uh, it was it was going forward. So it's something to keep in mind here. Florida doesn't have any kind of rushing attack, but something to keep in mind here if you're going to back Georgia. Yeah, we'll get to the world's largest maybe cocktail party. I don't know what fans will Probably be Probably a fight. Uh, Probably a brawl. What, ben Regret, when Dan Mullen came out of the tunnel, I was What's like, I should have bet Florida second half, though, because I knew that he wouldn't let up. Um, just a weird hunch, and they ended up covering maybe it was just a random thing. But insane, insane brawl if you didn't see it. And Drickwitz and Mullen at one point were face-to-face with both of their state cops around it. Surreal sight. I mean, they were throw. there were players throwing enormous wins like, if you watch the Bears game, moron, wins like punches at each other. I don't know if there's going to be suspensions or not. Um, crazy. Mullen has such a clean reputation, but he's kind of been like, does he though? He got into a fight with Derek Mason a few. Years I know, ago. but I'm I'm saying like he he hasn't had a clean pass, but he just he talks and it's kind of like Phil Mickelson. Like everyone loves I, Phil, I, but like I believe he I believe he. I love Phil, but I'm saying there's some sketchy things with Phil. I believe there was about two hundred thousand dollars in a in a laptop payment plan going to going to uh, Cam Newton back in the day too. I don't know if Dan Mullen was involved with that at Mississippi State. I, I'm not sure. I, Dan Mullen, man, I, I love him as a coach. I think he's a true quarterback whisperer. But just coming back like a WWE wrestler and getting the crowd pumped up, I mean, what, what the hell was this, the Royal Rumble? I, 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 the, the punches being thrown were just insane. It happened in the NFL yeah. today, too. Punching helmets. You're not hurting the other person. You're hurting yourself. And by the way, Lane Kiffin, it's not just pennies. We're in a penny shortage, but it's, it's not 25,000 pennies for $25,000. All right, moving on. Colin Stuck, Martin against Chicago, Ohio State, are on a defense, 30 minutes to work. Listen, didn't mean to again call you guys twice, but we got to repent. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get a God, please? God, please. Can I get a, the unders are back in play? Unders are back in play. Can I get an amen? Go. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Unders are back in play? I, I don't know, man. I, I'm going to – ease back into this relationship with under tickets. I can tell you that. Yeah, under. Iowa Northwestern under is back in play. The day I get a, an under that I need 10 or fewer points in the second half will be the day I retire from this podcast. Adam in L.A. So, you know what? I won the Georgia Tech bet, but you know what? 
you, Brian Kelly, for going for it and trying to stick it to like like Georgia Tech even more. You Irish, just those pieces of. Shit. Why don't you take a knee like the good Catholic people you're supposed to be? Fucking a man. All right, yes. You know what? That follows. Uh, I am going to fucking go. You're lucky, our producer Matt, our listeners, that Notre Dame didn't score on that play. Part of my cap was they have Clemson next week. Like, if they're up big late, they're going to chill. And even if they did have Clemson next week on that, they could have taken a knee multiple times. Ian Book is still in the game of 18 with a minute to go with Clemson on deck. And they're still throwing the ball when they could have taken knees. They get down to the five, run it with a minute to go, get stuffed. Thank, I mean, Georgia Tech, give me all of the – someone DM me the Georgia Tech defenders email just as I'm going to send them thank you cards. They were still trying and they held up. But Notre Dame running it at the five was insane. But they get down to the one, the running back jumps up and starts doing this. Let's go. Like, mm-hmm. what? I get it if you're BYU – or someone that thinks that the score matters, Notre Dame, their playoff hopes come down to Clemson next week. You don't need to run up the score. Like, hey, you're playing poor little Georgia Tech, Brian Kelly, and you're trying to run up the score like an absolute clown show. I was so livid, ready to, like, it takes a lot for me to go on tilt. Maybe, like, once in the past three years, maybe Texas couple weeks ago I, I, has put me on tilt at Brian Kelly running all those plays and then speed racing to snap the ball fuck you Brian Kelly yeah hopefully our producer Matt Mitchell can find a clip of the wrestler Chris Jericho because when people piss him off he'd say you just made the list you just made the list and frankly Brian Kelly is now on the list and that includes Urban Meyer right now my list is the list of coaches who know the point spread I don't want to hear another commentator I have to sit through. These people on my TV don't know anything about gambling, and then they act like it doesn't influence the games. These coaches know the totals. They know the spreads. Urban Meyer, a couple of years ago, was a 51-point favorite to Tulane and was pushing tempo up by 49, all right? Pushing tempo with two minutes left, up by 49. Urban Meyer against Tulane. I don't want to hear it, all right? So, Brian Kelly. You just made the list! If I ever meet you coaches... You're going to admit to me that you know what the spread in the total is. Yeah. Or like Ryan Day is like, I didn't have the right personnel to take a knee. Just admit it. Like if you want to run it up or you want to make your boosters, don't say it on the right personnel. And look, if Brian Kelly comes out and he says, my boosters, my, my fans are putting money on us and I want to cover for them. Fine. Say it. But, oh my God, that made me sick. No one takes a knee anymore. Lose the Boise under last week when they didn't take a knee. Crazy. But thank God I didn't get in. I know our producer, Matt, had money on Plus 21 with me. He said that he would have played my 17-hour voicemail. That's just a 17-hour episode, and I wouldn't have to show up today if Notre Dame scored. Hey, this is Matt Mitchell, the producer. Uh, that is true. And Brian Kelly, if you're listening, you can kiss my fucking ass. But thank you, Georgia Tech offense. All right, let's get back to happier things. Bo Nick season in full effect. The Bo Nix ambassador. What up, guys? Shout out to Brocktober. It was a long, wonderful ride. Hopefully, Walktober can continue the tradition. Back to the big elephant in the room. Bro, Nix out here doing it big. Holla in. I figured it out. The stat that you're missing is BDE, and that's Big Dick Energy. In case you didn't know, Bo Nix leading the 
Nation this week. Let's go. The second thing is, what comes after Brocktober? November, baby. Let's go. War. Eagle. Let's yes. go, baby. I'm with it. Bo, Vember, LSU gets demolished. De- yeah. Absolutely demolished. There's nothing more to say than that. The line was crazy. We were anti-Auburn of how bad they, they could have been 0-5, but the line was just crazy. It's not like LSU yeah, I, was great. Bo, Vember, baby. Let's go. War fucking Eagle. Crazy. I've got I've got the advanced box score here right in front of me. Let me go through a couple things. Explosive drive percentage for Auburn, 23%. That's double the national average. Uh, success rate, it doesn't matter how you splice it. I mean, in standard down, 67%. National average is 47%. Uh, in passing plays, Bo Nix went 61% success rate. National average is 40%. Uh, we're talking uh, unbelievable up and down. And then finally, yes, the most important stat that I see in the advanced box score the BDE, the big dick energy, five of five uh, for Bo Nix here. Listen, I, I don't know how much I, stock I put into Bo Nix and, and, and Chad Morris and Seth Williams and Stove and everybody getting back on the same page or how much I put into how terrible LSU's defense is, how bad of a hire Bo Pelini has been. Bo Pelini season in full effect. Uh, and if this team has completely given up after winning a national championship, I think it's a collection of all those things I just said. Bo Pelini's season is not in full effect. Bo Nick's season is. What a just a beautiful thing to watch. Like when, you, you, when you bet a game like that and you never have to sweat, um, it was great. Look, we'll get to a lot of these other results. Houston, by the way, just that offense. I, I mean, I'm going to have to dig into that. Two points per trip past the 40. Those teams. They should have lost by 60, by the way. UCF had like 40 trips inside the 20 and kept settling for field goals somehow. I I, I was like, how is Houston still in this game? I mean, it's an under dream. I mean, I I don't feel bad. I mean, I I bought the opener 76 and a half and it closed in the 80s. So, you know, here I am scared of unders and here I am taking, you know, this over and and can't even get close. Can't even see. Yeah, imagine having the Iowa Northwestern over. Uh, I, I guess we should mention. Cincinnati. I like Northwestern, by the way. God, I like Northwestern. I just want to get that out of the way. We should also mention Cincinnati before my people yeah. 90 miles north of me. That defense, Marcus Freeman, I don't know if he's going to get a head coaching job in college, a defensive coordinator job in the NFL, or eventually a head coaching job in the NFL, which I think he will. That man and Fickle have that defense. And they're co- they cover spreads. Like, Well, yeah, they cover spreads, but they cover spread offenses too. They're covering Memphis, SMU, UCF, and shutting them down. That Cincy defense – Look, if you want a sleeper college football playoff pick, BYU plays Little Sisters of the Poor every week, right? right? Like, Cincinnati plays real teams. If you want chaos and a team that can sneak in there with a legitimate top five national defense, Cincinnati. Thoughts on the Bearcats? I, I tweeted – I had to stop tweeting about it. Listen, I don't think – I'm not, like, trying to put nonsense on everybody's timelines when I tweet, but how many I, times can I – how many <laughs> – how many times – can I tweet a video of Desmond Ritter? Uh, they had – I know that there was a lot of games going on in the early slot yesterday, but for those of you that watch the Cincinnati game, and I've said this for about two or three weeks in a row, something has changed with Desmond Ritter. He is now explosive on the ground. He has better decision-making in the pocket. Uh, something has massively changed. And they flashed up like a before and after picture of Desmond Ritter. It was just like the left picture was just some normal kid, and the right picture was some guy that was looked like he was ripped on the cover of Muscle Fitness, and it was a before and after picture of Desmond Ritter and what he's done to his body. The kid is legit. 
Cincinnati's defense is legit. Like I am a complete believer in Cincinnati, and we're going to continue to bet on them. They're they're offense. Everyone's got Cincinnati's got a great defense. Take the under. This offense is doing some crazy things. Yeah, that's Cincinnati defense. It's the real deal. There's nothing else you can say about it. the shutdown SMU and then Memphis in back-to-back weeks the way that they did. By the way, you don't talk about an over, an over gift from the gods. You got to thank the gods for that one. Mm. Um, God, where was Memphis getting me some points? What, what are you doing, Brady White? What are you doing sliding two yards before the first down marker at the six-yard line? Dumbass. My God, that was so bad. I mean, they screwed themselves. They got down to the, in the red zone multiple times and didn't get any points. Uh, Memphis tried to do everything to get that under. Cincinnati is now getting lots and lots and lots of love. Is that going to trickle down into some inflated numbers for an offense that generally isn't good, but maybe Desmond Ritter is figuring it out. We'll get to that later in the week. All right. Thanks everyone for your voicemails. As always, you guys are wonderful. Bo Nix season in full effect. Made me very happy. Bo Nix season in full effect. I was very sad we didn't hear from Minor Nation, but we'll hear from you again. I hope all is well down in El Paso. Let's move on to the college football week ahead. I have an extremely important announcement. It's almost monumental for this podcast. It's week 10 coming up. It's officially November, and we now have Maction. Why wait for the weekend? Strap in your fun belts and get ready for Maction. It's midweek madness. Maction is back. Last Tuesday and Wednesday night, we had no sports. No sports. First time since July 22nd that there was no major sports on at night. The Mac is here to save us. Six-game conference-only schedule. The first three games will be played on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. The final three games for each team will be played on Saturdays. But don't worry, because those first three games will get us to college basketball, and then we will have college basketball on Tuesday or Wednesday. So the MAC is here to ensure that you don't have to go pick apples on Tuesday or go to a haunted house or whatever people, people do on Tuesday nights. The MAC is here. It's back on Wednesday night. All 12 teams will play on Wednesday night. I have a MAC manifesto that I'm working on. I think I have the end of Buffalo to finish. It'll be out by the time you're listening to this. I think eight, 9,000 words dug into these teams to the point where you wouldn't believe. I am excited. I refuse to lose money on the MAC this year. Akron is still undefeated. They can't go one of tags. They only play six games. Um, <laughs> so let's get to the Mac. We won't go extremely deep. We're going to spend some of our Thursday night podcasts. I have my manifesto out. Like, if you want to know about the Mac, read it. It's I go into, like, the centers and the backup centers. Colin has his conference preview that's going to be out. But we're going to talk about it a little bit. Here are the games. Kent State. We'll go through them all quickly. Kent State's a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Eastern Michigan. All right, Kent State, we know, last year, dead in the water, miraculous comeback against Buffalo. They weren't going to be bowl eligible. They have an FBS fourth quarter 21-point comeback, win that game, win out, go to a bowl, win the bowl. And all of a sudden, Sean Lewis has his team back and this program back. Dustin Crum, quarterback, comes back. A legit NFL prospect, that quarterback, by the way. You look at a lot of the advanced metrics, 
he was just behind Tua and Trevor Lawrence in in turnover worthy throws, adjusted completion percentage, legitimate quarterback. He's back. Defense still has question marks. Uh, they want to go fast. It's the fast. It's the flash fast offense. Blah blah blah. Eastern Michigan, on the other hand, they lose Mike Glass. It was everything for that offense. They, you know, their defense was terrible. They couldn't really run it, and it wasn't an explosive offense. But it was just Glass, just down the field, efficient pass, efficient pass, efficient pass. He's gone now. Thoughts on Kent State laying six and a half at BetMGM over under sixty-two and a half. Yeah, this is a number that I projected at five, and the number sitting here Sunday night is is at six. So it's probably about spot on. I wish it was a little bit lower, but it, it opened at six. It's probably never going to come back down. All the early money is on Kent. I expect it to really probably be an avalanche of Kent money, especially when you look at the fact that, you know, Eastern Michigan is on both sides of the ball, 40% returning production on the offensive side. Not so 40, much. 49% on the defensive side. Uh, listen, I mean – both these teams finished top 26. Actually, they finished 25th and 26th in overall success rate on offense. The difference between these two teams is, is Crum comes back for Kent State, and he has all of his weapons back. Uh, 68% of the offense is back for Kent State. Neither of these teams can play a lick of defense at all. Uh, but uh, Kent State is the one that should have more continuity with the offense, and that's the team that I would want to back here. Uh, I don't expect to see anything from either of these defenses – Hard to really kind of gauge uh, a total, but I mean, really 63 and a half coming out of the gate. We've noticed that some of these college football teams uh, have extremely, uh, they're rusty. The offenses are rusty and the defenses are rusty. So you don't know if that's going to turn into scoop and scores, uh, pick sixes. Uh, I would be a little weary of of taking unders again, unless we get some incremental weather, which let me see if I see that here. Which is not going to happen here. We're looking at 50 degrees, about 10 mile hour winds, no precip whatsoever. So I think the number is right right now at six. I'd feel more comfortable if it was around my number of five, but I expect this to be nothing but Kent money in the market. Yeah, it's. I mean, Glass did so much for them. It, the backup who's going to start is Preston Hutchinson. If you're an Eastern Michigan fan, Chris Creighton is turning that program around. Preston Hutchinson started one game against Western Michigan last year. He went 31 of 36 for 357 yards. So. I mean, if he's going to do that all the time, Eastern Michigan will be okay. But the defense was bad, and then you lose, you know, a first-team all-Mac safety in Calhoun, most starts in the MU history, a second-team all-Mac hybrid safety linebacker in Brody mm-hmm. Hoying, your third-team all-Mac inside linebacker, Kobe Beltran, a third-team all-Mac corner in Kevin McGill with 40 starts. He signed with the Chargers this summer. Wasn't a defense that was good. And, you know, last year they lost Max Crosby, who's now starting for the Raiders, Raiders and Jeremiah Harris, who got a shot with the Giants this past summer. So – the defense has lost a lot, and it wasn't good last year. It'll come down to probably Hutchinson. Can he? He has to be special, like he was in Western Michigan. I don't know if he can trust that. Um, yeah, all right, moving on. I, yeah. As I say, another problem with Eastern Michigan is that they ranked in the top thirty on offense and sack rate. Like they were very well protected. You know, Glass was very well protected, and all of that's gone. You know, like we we don't have any protection of the quarterback, and we have a new quarterback. It's it's a really Creighton's going to have a, his his best coaching job of, of his life if he can get this team to get a couple wins this year. Yeah, I like Williams, the receiver, and Drummond. They did lose Arthur Jackson, who was the leading receiver. Creighton will take over play call on their head coach, by the way, for the first time they lost their offensive coordinator. Much oh, more by the way, manifesto. Uh, yeah. By the way, let me say, I think it's amazing that no coach in this, in this entire conference was fired. Every single coach returns. Every, yep. single, every single coordinator returns, with the exception of Toledo, where the, uh, both coordinators are out the door. Uh, but other than that, 
completely stable. Like the continuity from the coaching perspective and coordinator perspective, every single program. Unbelievable. Yeah. Eastern Michigan did lose their OC, but uh, Creighton will take right. over play calling. So you don't expect much change there. All right. Second game, Western Michigan at BetMGM minus 16 and a half over under 55 and a half <laughs> at Akron. At Akron, 6 p.m. Eastern. Akron was 0-12 last year, has lost 17 straight games. Uh, look, all right, Western Michigan, to give you a quick synopsis, they had the offensive and defensive players of the year last year. Both. They had Bellamy, their running back, who ran for right around 1,500 yards last year. They also had a quarterback who threw for 3,000 yards in John Wassing. They're both gone. Their defensive player of the year in the MAC last year, Trayshawn Howard, linebacker, he's back. Their pass rush is legit. Uh, one of the best pass rushers in the MAC. That'll still be there. Um, you know, they lost some pieces on defense on the back end, but it's going to be a great elite for MAC standards pass rush. The offense was awesome last year, but you had Blossink and you had Bellamy. I mean, two great players that you have to now replace. So, Western Michigan, look, they're going to have a good pass rush. Their offensive line is massive. It's one of the strengths of the offense, even though, I mean, you had Wasink and you had Bellamy, great quarterback, great running back, both gone. But the offensive line is huge. One of the reasons for their success last year, the offensive line this year will still be very good, very big. I think all five starters will be upperclassmen who all weigh 295 pounds or greater. The defense will still have an elite pass rush. Look, it's going to be a much more inexperienced team. They were the most experienced team in the country going into last year. So what do you expect going into this year? Lose a lot of seniors. That's what they did. But when you're talking about a matchup with Akron, one of the things you have to first – Akron's a dumpster fire. They couldn't run the ball. The, the offensive line was terrible. There's just not much you can say. Their two best defenders are gone. And the defense wasn't that bad relative to the offense, but their two leading tacklers are gone. This team is so young. It's still a rebuild. They're relying on a lot of JUCO transfers. But the scariest thing about this is the weakness on Akron is their offensive. When I say weakness, I mean relatively, relatively speaking to the rest of the roster. You have Cato Nelson, an experienced quarterback. But the offensive line is so, so, so bad. And you're playing against a really good still pass rush. The defensive line is undersized. And you're playing against 300-pound offensive linemen across the board. The advantage in the trenches for Western Michigan here is massive. I do think Akron could be a little better. But again, there's a lot of unknown here with what they're relying on with with new pieces, look, I would love to back to say we got to back the zips, but I don't think we can here because of the uh, disadvantages in the trenches. Thoughts? We will be backing the zips. I will be backing the zips. Oh, uh, boy. I, I actually share uh, I share a little bit of the tickets. Uh, the, there was an opener of 17 somewhere today. I got in on that, but not everybody had avail- had uh, opportunity to get that, so I didn't put it out on the app. But I believe Western Michigan will take tons of money this will have steam. I will probably wait until Wednesday night around four o'clock. What is this game? Five o'clock central time. I'll probably wait until four o'clock when that steam comes in and we're staring at 17 and a half, 18, whatever. I think this number is completely inflated. I mean, you take in, I know, listen, 89% of Akron's offense is coming back, but they rank 130th dead last and everything. And that is including UMass's stats. Do you want, I, I can name off one stat one stat where Akron did not rank in the bottom 10, and that was power success rate on offense. Their offense is legitimately one of the worst things FBS football has seen. I'm, ta- I'm including UMass in all these conversations. Akron's really bad, but they do return almost every single player, so experience has to count for something. Uh, the defense wasn't much better. Uh, they're a little bit better against the pass. 
really this is a continuity play and it's evaluating the stock market. Listen, when Apple's stock is hanging around at 105 and it gets up to 120, you sell off a little bit because it's going to dip. And if it dips, I said down this all 90, last year, you buy it. Work. I'm telling you right now, Akron should not be over 17 and a half. The buy point for me is 17 and a half and it gets to 17 and a half. It keeps moving. I'm going to, I'll buy it. Akron's at home. They return a whole bunch of pieces. Western Michigan, on the other hand, we're talking, you know, 41% of their offense is back and 50% of their defense is back. That's not a whole lot. Uh, their defense really wasn't that great. You know, when you look at it from a passing success rate, you know, they were 103rd in passing success rate on D. They were 109 in line yards on D. They can be pushed around. And I understand Akron's small, but, and I'm no fan of Tom Arth, but there comes a point where a stock becomes a buy. There comes a point where Akron is a buy. Uh, so it's 17 and a half is the number for me. I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying about Western Michigan. LLB will be their starting quarterback. He started five times before. He's not as big of a downfield threat as Wasinger. Obviously, doesn't have as much experience. But, yeah, you can run it on Western Michigan. Akron can't run the ball. Like, can't. Can't get a yard. I get what you're saying. I just don't know how. I don't know. We'll see. Um, <laughs> moving on. Northern Illinois, plus 10.5 at BetMGM at home against Buffalo. Buffalo's a machine, preseason favorite of the MAC uh, to win. Not my pick. I do pick them to win their division and get there. When you talk Buffalo, you have to talk about their running game. Yes, Fantrese is back. He has his top receiver back in none, who's a, a pretty significant deep threat. But it all starts with the running game with Buffalo, and specifically Jared Patterson, who ran for – went wild. One yard under 1,800 yards on the season – by any metric, he was a top five running back last year. And they started feeding him the ball in the second half of last year. And that's when their offense really picked up. They really should have finished the year 7-0, and if not for the miracle Kent State comeback. And they were just crushing teams in the MAC. Had a blowout win in the bowl game. Patterson comes back. And people forget about Marks, the backup running back, who had over 1,000 yards rushing. The problem is the offensive line. Right, so the passing offense is outside the top 100 in yards per attempt. Not great. Did what it needed to do. Vantrese is a little mobile. But the offensive line was absolutely spectacular. Top 30 in line yards, number one in sack rate. Just no matter what they needed to do. They lose three of their five starters, specifically two of their best in Noseworthy and Sierczek. I can never say his name. Um they do have one of the best tackles in all of college football, and I was sick of who's coming back. But he's moving from right tackle to left tackle, but he is a monster. NFL prospect for days. One of the best offensive linemen in college football. But they lost three of their – and that basically was their offense. You know, it was Patterson and this just dominant offensive line. So can the offensive line be that dominant? The defense was very good, top 30 in success rate. They will have a phenomenal, phenomenal pass rush with Riggins and Kuntz. They lost Mack, but still just players all over the place. Um, you know, good secondary, too. Should be a really good defense. The special teams are dreadful. They also should be a little extra salty for this opener because the last time they faced Northern Illinois was in 2018 in the Mack Championship when Northern Illinois had a crazy comeback to win by one. So maybe that weighs on Buffalo's mind here. Northern Illinois just lost uh, everything. Uh, yeah, they have an experienced quarterback in Ross Bowers, but Harbison transferred. Then they expected running back. Nettles, he's not on the depth chart. They lost Brinkman, their best tight end. Uh, I mean, the offensive line, the defensive front, so many transfers. 39% of returning production on offense. Uh, it's just 
it's a rough situation for an unprecedented spring and summer for all the pieces that this defense is trying to replace. Yeah, Pew does come back on the off, and then the offensive line was so bad that it's just a lot of really scary things to consider with Northern Illinois. Buffalo is legit. This line, I think, opened at eight. It's up to ten and a half. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think I was um, uh, while you were talking, I was going to bet Buffalo. Uh, this is a number that I think should be a little bit higher. I, I actually kind of power rate it closer to two touchdowns. My hesitation was the fact that this number uh, had floated up to ten uh, and, and had come back down just a little bit. Uh, so I'm willing to wait and see if we get a better number, maybe something below a nine during the week. I'm kind of interested to see what people's take on this is because I am not a Northern Illinois believer whatsoever. Now we talk, you, you mentioned that they lose a whole ton uh, in returning production. I think the worst offensive returning production in all of the league. And that is in combination with their head coach, Thomas Hammock, who's going into his second year as the head coach. Uh, it wasn't really a very impressive season from the new head coach for his first time. Offensively, they were 119th in line yards. Uh, outside the top 100 and tons of things. You would think a guy that's been coaching running backs for the Ravens. He was a running back coach at Minnesota, running back coach uh, for Northern Illinois in 2005. Uh, no play calling experience whatsoever. You'd think they'd be better at running the ball. They were 109th in the country running the ball. They were 119th in line yards. They're Offensive line, half. awful. Offensive line was terrible. They were 105th in havoc allowed. And I know that we're talking about what Buffalo has lost on the offensive line, but from a defensive perspective with Northern Illinois – they were 109th in sack rate. They're not getting to the quarterback either. And the thing that gets me about the Northern Illinois defense last year, they were 127th in preventing explosive rushing attacks. They were one of the worst in the nation. I don't like the direction of this Northern Illinois program. Uh, I do love the direction of Buffalo. They have one of the best coaches. You want to talk about somebody that is able to make a gourmet meal out of dog food, uh, it's Lance Leopold. So, you know, I, they're, they consistently have one of the, some terrible recruiting classes and he turns them into one of the best teams in the Mac. Uh, my belief is in the coaching staff of Buffalo. I know there's some replacements of certain players. Uh, I have this power rated in double digits. I would like to get this probably going to bet it tonight. Uh, we'll see where it's at Sunday morning. I'd like to get the best number possible, but this number should close in the double digits. Yeah. I mean, NIU four, three base, they lost two of their best defensive linemen that transferred to Iowa. Their best, their offensive line is dreadful. Their best offensive lineman, a four-year starter, is gone. He just signed with the Patriots practice squad, actually, this week. Uh, it's just – it's rough. I mean, you got Ross Bowers, and then – I mean, they're all, who's running? I don't know who the running back is. They got their – they lost their best tight end. It's, it's a mess at NIU. All right, moving on. This is probably my favorite bet of the week. Ball State plus three and a half at Miami of Ohio. Over under 55 at BetMGM. I love this Ball State team. This is my pick to win the MAC. I know they've never won a MAC championship. Ball State fans in Muncie are going to say, well, don't give us hope. There was one tweeting at me the other day. I love this team. They, they bring everybody back on the offensive side of the ball, starting with Plitt at quarterback. So many weapons on this team. And if you look last year, the offense was awesome. You know, they lost Danny Pinner, their star right tackle, but just weapons everywhere. I know their offensive coordinator, Joey Lynch, he left, but their, their former running backs coach will take over. This offense is electric. It was electric last year. It was the best offense in the MAC. Very well balanced, too. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. I love the offense. The question last year was the defense. Wasn't great. But 12 of the top 15 tacklers come back. And I think there's going to be a significant improvement, mainly because I think in their 3 4 defense, they might have the two best corners in the entire conference in Phillips and Uzodima. I mean, these are Phillips, by the way, is one of the best 
pure cover corners in college football, not just the Mac over the past two years. You look at the advanced metrics, this guy's a lockdown corner. So I think there's enormous regression on the defensive side coming for this Ball State team. They lost a bunch of close games in conference last year. They were five and seven. Three of their losses in conference came by a combined eight points. They were right there. The offense will still be elite. They bring back so much. And I think the defense with those two corners, it's on the upswing. This is a team where I think the bounces go their way. Speaking of which, the negative regression team I've highlighted is my Ohio. This team that won the MAC last year, they were well, 100, 110th in most offensive metrics. Their defense was good. They lose a lot of key pieces on the defensive end. They bring their whole offense back, including Gabbert, the MAC freshman of the year last year. But the offense was very inefficient. The offensive line was awful. They go five and zero one possession games last year. This is a team under Chuck Martin that lost every one possession game for five years. Then they go five and zero this year. Why did they go five and zero? Special teams. Right? They won the field position battle. They had the best kicker who was starting for the Rams before last week. They had a great punter. They lose their holder. Remember, they had a top 30, top 25 special teams unit. That's how they would win all these games. Well, they have to replace all of that. Their offense, maybe it gets better. Gabbert, his weapons come back. His running backs come back. All the festers hurt. Uh, a little banged up. They're 4 2 5 defense. They lose their linebacker, their nickel guy, and the, the secondary should be pretty good. They get after the quarterback, but you can run on this team. I just think, look, Ball State is the team that I love. Positive regression. Miami, Ohio has negative regression coming to them. I'm all about this Ball State team. I'm getting three and a half here all day. My pick to win the map. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you really uh, broke Ball State down really well. I'm not sure there's much I can add. I love Mike New. I've loved Ball State for years. The problem they've always had is staying healthy. Uh, they've always had a fantastic offense, and, and uh, that's, you know, a part of the coaching. Uh, they need to stay healthy again here. So, you know, this is a team that I want to back. 68% of the offense is coming back. They rank 32nd overall in success rate. 81% of the defense is coming back. And I know they're 99th in success rate, but actually that's pretty good in the MAC. 99th in success rate. You're beating a lot of other teams out there. Uh, yeah, Plitt, a quarterback, everything. I power rate this game at two and a half. Uh, my only worry is, is the luck box Miami of Ohio. Uh, this, this one possession record that Chuck Martin has, like for four years straight, uh, he lost every single thing. And now for two years straight, he wins every single game. It's in one possession. So here we go. Another dance with Chuck Martin and his, uh, and his special teams. But uh, yeah, I like Ball State too. Uh, I would suggest getting it at three or above. Uh, we'll see how the market plays it this week. Let's go, baby. I'm excited for Ball State. Can't wait to let They might be my Akron this year. I hope they don't let me down. Luckily, if I get a, a team wrong in the MAC all year, I can only go 0-6, not 0-12. Since they only play six games. Well, seven, the MAC championship. That a bowl. I guess I can go 0-8 on Ball State this year. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Let's move on to the next game. Ohio, a pick at BetMGM at Central Michigan. Over under 59 and a half at BetMGM. Look, there's a lot of unknowns in this game. I don't know if I'll necessarily bet this game, and I've dug into it as deep as you possibly can. The NCAA, I don't know why they haven't granted David Moore his eligibility. He got suspended. So last year, you had Dormandy and Moore starting at quarterback for Central Michigan. 
who had an incredible, incredible turnaround under Jim McElwain. They went from 1-11 to the MAC championship game. Incredible. So McElwain comes to first-time offense coordinator, Charlie Fry. They revamped the entire offense. They go from like an RPO basic college offense to a pro style, and the results were tremendous. They doubled their points average. Crazy. But both of their quarterbacks maybe aren't going to be back because Dormandy graduated – and Moore, who's suspended for a banned substance, who's supposed to be eligible by October 8th. But that was including games that they were already supposed to play. So they filed an appeal, and there's still no word. So if he can't go, which it looks like he can't, I don't know, you're going to have a freshman. A true freshman. True freshman at quarterback. And I, I don't know. They have great receivers, two first-team all-back receivers, and Ja'Cory Sullivan and, and Pimpleton. Pimpleton's a great returner as well. They had two great backs, two 2,000-yard backs. I think it was Buffalo and Central Michigan, the only teams in the country that had 2,000-yard backs. But they did lose one of those backs. But they, they still have Lewis back. Ward is gone. But it comes down to the quarterback, David Moore. If he can't go, then all of a sudden you have a freshman. The defense, extremely stout against the run. I mean, extremely. They can defend the run 11th in line yards, number one in FBS in stuff rate. So – most of the defensive line contributors back, they led the nation in tackles for loss percentage on run plays. So this is a team that very stout up front, but the secondary is the biggest question of this entire team because they revamped it all. The entire thing is brand new. They had a freshman who looked great in McKinney Harper. He got arrested, then kicked off the team. Governor transferred, Braswell transferred. So they have, you have Bracey there who started six games at corner last year. They moved him to running back because they lost Ward. They have no depth behind Lewis. So they have a brand new secondary. Now, what it is is it's power five transfers. You have Edwards from Florida. McElwain recruited him to Gain when he was at Gainesville. You have Bowens from Iowa State. You have McNary, who came from a community college. And as of now, it looks like those are going to be your three starting cornerbacks. Talent, yes. Power five, yes. But it's a brand new secondary. That'll probably make or break this defense. A lot of unknowns. Ultimately, it comes down to the quarterback position. We still don't know much about it. Quick, you know, quick look at Ohio. Again, who's their quarterback? Armani Rogers, your boy from UNLV, or Rourke, not that Rourke, his younger brother. Rogers, more of a runner. Rourke, who did so much for them, who just graduated. His younger brother, more of a thrower. Uh, he's trying to come in, and who are they going to go with? They might go with two quarterbacks. I don't know. What do you see here? Yeah, I, I, I hear everything you say about Central Michigan and the fact that their defensive line is stout. I mean, number one in stuff rate, 14th power success, 11th in line yards. And, and listen, both of these teams return a whole bunch on defense, 78% for Ohio returning production, Central Michigan 77%. Uh, Central Michigan had a much better defense. The thing that I think we need to focus on is that Ohio is not a passing team. They are not a, a quick strike, deep strike passing team. Frank Solich prefers, at least during the Nathan Rourke era, uh, we're kind of doing a zone read uh, and, and we're running the ball and, and pressuring defensive ends. If you have good defensive ends, you can beat Ohio. Uh, I don't think Solich is going to go off of that. I think it's one of the reasons Armani Rogers came to Ohio is because he probably saw what Nathan Work was doing with the zone read and said, man, that's perfect for me. I mean, if you look at any Ar Armani Rogers tape from UNLV from his freshman season, a kid can rip some runs off. And uh, I think if he's the one that's a quarterback, then you put the focus on the Central Michigan defensive ends on if they can do anything with this. That being said, if the only way to attack the Central Michigan defense is through the air, that's not Ohio's game. So that would make me want to take Central Michigan. I have the game lined as a pick. Lined open up at a pick today. So, you know, no play for me here. Uh, but let's look and see if Armani Rogers is playing. If he's not, if it's a uh, kid, kid work, 
or one of the other quarterbacks that are playing for some reason, uh, then, you know, there's a Central Michigan play probably. Yeah, I mean, Ohio has to replace all everything, Hagan, at safety. Um, maybe the defense will be a little better in the second year of the system. My whole thought process, well, I, what are we going to get from Central Michigan's freshman quarterback? I don't know. But I do think that the way that you attack or should be able to attack the Central Michigan defense is by throwing it, which would mean that the younger Rourke, who apparently has like a cannon of an arm, he's not as much of a runner. He would be the guy that you would start. But if they start Rodgers, he's in a, very inaccurate, but a hell of a runner. But that's not how you attack Central Michigan. So a lot of questions. We'll have a lot of stuff up on this game. The last game, Toledo, minus 19 and a half at home against Bowling Green at BetMGM. Uh, I, I won't go too much in this game because we'll have a lot up on it. I will say Bowling Green, 62% of the roster is freshmen. I mean, this is a complete rebuild for a team that was absolutely dreadful in every phase of the game. I think Toledo should be a little better. They have a three-way quarterback competition going on. Still haven't named who that starter will be. What are your thoughts here? Eli Peters, I thought, was the one that was going to get the job. I know he hasn't been named. He should be. He should. Yeah, he's the one with the most experience. But, uh, you know, we're talking Bowling Green top to bottom. This is probably – the worst team, uh, <laughs> worst team in the conference, uh, you know, 117th in success rate on offense, 120th in success rate on defense last year and returning production, both sides of the ball are below 50%. Uh, Bowling Green definitely is in the running for the worst team uh, in the MAC this year. And Toledo, you know, we got some change in, in the coordinator position. I don't think Jason Candle really liked what was going on on the defensive side of the ball. We have co-defensive coordinators now. They return over 70% of their offense and defense. Uh, they need to improve – uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I power ranked the game at 19, and, and it came out at 19. So uh, there's no value so far in this game. But I will say this. It is the MAC, and people tend to steam numbers on favorites uh, leading up. So if you like all these teams that we've talked about that are favorites going up against really bad teams, like if you like Toledo against Bowling Green, I would probably get it early. There's not going to be a lot of Bowling Green steam come on Wednesday. If you like Western Michigan against Akron, and you want to take Akron, you might want to wait. Western Michigan is going to be the one to take all the money. These MAC games have, if you're new to this and you haven't bet the MAC before, this is some of the wildest point spread movement and total point spread movement you will ever see in your entire life. Uh, we're talking a thousand dollar bet can send a total from 52 to 62. Be patient, trust your numbers, realize when a stock is too high and realize when a stock is too low. But generally, favorites seem to take in a ton of money leading up to kick the first couple of, you know, the first the, the few hours left before we start play. Yeah, the last thing I'll say on the MAC is it's, I think more so than other conferences, the lack of preparation, shortened spring, shortened summer, is going to hurt them more so than other conferences because this is a conference that where you don't have a lot of depth, right? Like your, your second and third string guys, they're not highly recruited. You have a lot more walk on. So, player development time reps is very important. So it's going to hurt these teams that are bringing like nothing. Bowling Green is 65% freshman on the roster. I mean, and the Toledo run game should be dynamic again. I mean, there's no question about it. They should be able to run all over Bowling Green. You bring back, I mean, they might have arguably besides Buffalo, I guess the best running back tandem uh, in the conference, you have Seymour coming back and Co back, and then you have an offensive line that just mauled people, mauled people in conference and run blocking. Um, what were they, top 15 in almost every advanced run blocking metric? Pass blocking, not great, but they should be able to move the ball in Bowling Green. And something to keep in mind, Toledo, very disappointing year last year. They were 6-6. Six and six. A lot of bad injury luck, too. 
they were picked to win the Mac West, the preseason poll for a reason. And they went six and six last year. That was the first time, I believe, don't quote me this, in nine years that they didn't have a winning season. And it was the first time in nine years that they didn't beat Bowling Green. Bowling Green shockingly upset them as what, 28, 35 point underdogs? I forget what the spread was. It was a crazy upset. So if you think Toledo is back after a disappointing year, after an embarrassing loss to a team that's 20 miles south of them, and they want to take out their anger and keep their foot on the gas, could be the spot. All right, we'll have much more on the Mac all throughout the week. We have Election Day on Tuesday. We have Monday Night Football we're going to get to in a second. Not much else going on besides the Mac on Wednesday. We're going to fill up the app and actionnetwork.com with Mac content. Make sure you check it out. And uh, we'll all be on Twitter sweating action together on Wednesday night. Should be fun. Uh, before we get out of here, we have to cover Monday night football. At BetMGM, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 13-point favorites over the New York football Giants, over under 44 and a half. Uh, I can tell you I'm not going to spend too much. This game is gross. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. I have the Giants plus 11. They had a COVID outbreak. They have some guys out. We're going to have a preview up on the app, which you should have. Also, please rate and review the app. I have to do giveaways. I forgot. We don't have time for that. I will do that on Thursday episode. Everyone who left the review is going to be in the running for a bunch of giveaways. Look, I took the Giants plus 11. I, this Bucks team's legit. I haven't bumped a team up more or down more than the Bucks. They've... This defense is real. Their corners are real. Imagine if they just had Bayou didn't get hurt. The defense is real. Brady is getting used to this offense. Their weapons are real. But Goblin will be out. That is huge for this game. One of the reasons I took the Giants before some of this COVID and some of their injuries, and basically just a number that I make it. Look, I bumped, I bumped the Bucks a bunch, but I can't get this line over nine. So I, I took 11. Now it's up to 13. If there's some of the news, the whole world's going to be on the Bucks. They've been rolling. It's, it's a good sell high spot on Tampa who also has the saints coming to town next week. Maybe you get them looking ahead after a West to East coast trip. I don't know. The giants have been at least fighting or in most of these games. I just thought this was too many points. The fact that Goblin is out is so big because Bradbury, the giants corner is playing so well, but the giants don't really have a second reliable corner. If you have Evans and Goblin on the field at the same time, it's very difficult for the Giants to defend. So I think Bradbury being out there, and I don't know if they're probably not going to shadow, but just both of those Bucks elite receivers being out there at the same time would be just an absolute disaster for the Giants. The Giants aren't good. I think right now the Bucks are the third best team in the NFL behind the Chiefs and the Ravens. Maybe I have to, re-eva- maybe I have to reevaluate the Ravens after the loss of Stanley. We'll see. The Bucks are legit. The Giants aren't any good, but they fight. It's a decent spot. They've been battling all year i like them anything over 10 uh any thoughts here yeah i think if you're going to try to make a case for the giants you're going to take a look at the bucks and you need to realize that you're paying a tax here because this line should be around 10 maybe 10 and a half so anything above that uh you're really getting some value on the giants here it's it's tough to poke holes in some of the advanced numbers on on tampa bay they're number one in the league and uh, offensively and adjusted sack rate i mean you can't get to tom brady whatsoever the one thing that the Giants have been good at, if you look at football outsiders, an open field rank, they rank eight. So if anybody's, you know, trying to make an explosive play on the ground, the Giants have been pretty good at limiting explosiveness, especially in open field rank, ranking eighth. 
Uh, besides that, I don't know how they're going to stop anything going deep. I don't think how I don't know how they're going to get pressure on Tom Brady. Uh, and I don't know how they're going to score on offense. But I will tell you that the point spread is way too high for me to ever consider taking Tampa Bay minus 13. And I think at 13 and a half and 14, you're probably going to get me interested in taking the Giants. Yeah, anything over 10 for me is a buy. After some of the injury news of the past week, would have been a little dicier at 11, but at 13, all about the Giants. It's a hold-your-nose spot. You bet it. You might lose by 30. But I think at the end of the day, you have value compared to by power ratings. I would imagine this line comes down probably towards game time leading up all week. There wasn't many people probably itching general public is not itching about the giants here. Probably some groups out there waiting on some news injuries that are waiting to see how high this line gets. If it gets to 14, I'll buy it again. I might buy some more 13, not a bad spot here to back the giants. And what I think is an inflated number, a giant team, by the way, but still in the division race. So it's a New York football giants are nothing for me. If you can't stomach it, I understand, but that's who I will be on. Colin, thanks for joining me. Thanks to everyone for leaving voicemails. If you bet the Giants and follow me, and they get blown out, please leave another one. We'll play it next week. It's time for Colin and I to get to work. We will see you Wednesday night for Maction. Can't wait to see you all, and we'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. We're finished talking.